Well, good morning. <laughs> we're getting so close to Christmas by now, we're nearly comatose with all of the sugar that we have inhaled. <laughs> we're convinced that we've heard every Christmas song that we could have heard at least 800 times, and that's more than we need to hear them. We're further relatively certain that there's nothing new that can be told us about all of the Christmas story because we've heard it ever since we've been this high, and uh, there's nothing new under the sun. At least that's what the writer of uh, Ecclesiastes said. So here we are. Maybe we're just fulfilling our duty. I hope not. Some of us are saying, well, I can hear it one more time. I'm closer to the end of my life than I am to the beginning of my life, so I only have maybe 23 more times to hear it. I can manage it. (laughs) Of all of the Christmas stories, and by the way, I I elongate uh, the ones that I allow to be part of. When I was preaching regularly, uh, in the church in, in Oak Creek. You know, after a certain amount of time, you preach a series every Christmas and you're the only preacher. You get to the place where you've preached everything at least once, probably many times, and you're saying, what else can I do? So I've included some other things in the Christmas story that don't usually get to preached. You know, the story of Anna and the story of Simeon. Uh, I think that they are very much part of the Christmas stories. Uh, I think that there are some other perspectives that we can take on the Christmas story. And I have lost my glasses. There we go. So you'll have them on. That's where they are. But I'm one of these guys that has to wear an extra pair every once in a while. Anyway, out of all of the Christmas stories that we traditionally find ourselves looking at, the one that's before us today is the one I actually like the best. Now, there's a reason for that. I grew up in a farming community, though I did not grow up in a farming home. I grew up in a farming community, and from the time I was very young, started working on farms. And so I was quite used to being around animals and uh, dealing with some of the um, ancillary things that come along with animals, what goes in the front end and what comes out the back end. And so I can identify a little bit with this story. But the things that make this special to me are not just the fact that they are associated with farming things. It's kind of some things that we might miss if we didn't take time to look very closely at the text. We're in Luke chapter 2, and before we look at Luke chapter 2, I invite you to join me in prayer. God, our Father, guide our thoughts. We have many places we need to go in this time of study together. And as we do it in a slightly different way than even last week's, I pray that you will cause our minds to connect with what's being said so that when we are finished this morning, there will be thoughts that we can take away with us that will shape how we are going to live our lives this week and throughout the remainder of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So have you ever wondered why it is that God chose to let shepherds 
see Jesus first after he was born. Yeah, I know that Mary and Joseph, of course, saw him first. But I'm talking about when the story's going public. Have you ever wondered why Jesus was seen by shepherds first? Why didn't God choose the noble? You know, the Pharisees, the religious princes of Israel. Why didn't God choose the dignified like the scribes, the religious lawyers, attorneys? Why didn't he look for the wealthy, the Sadducees, the religious elite? If you've never thought about that, it might be good to think about it. In actual fact, we're going to find out an answer to that as we are together this morning. May I suggest to you that God chose the shepherds because... uh, Probably they wouldn't mind going into a smelly barn to meet the king of kings. The king of kings. Kings aren't typically born in dirty barns. They are generally born in palaces in the greatest of refinement. And yet when God sends his son, the one who becomes in eternity and in time, the king of kings... He sends him to be born in a smelly barn. More accurately, I would suggest to you that God chose the shepherds because he has always shown himself to the lowly and the outcast. That's where he begins. Now, it's a good thing, because what would you do? What would I do if God didn't choose to reveal himself in that way to people? None of us are kingly. Most of us aren't nobles. Quite a few of us aren't really that dignified. And probably most of us aren't wealthy. We might have qualified had we lived at that time to be present on that occasion to see Jesus for the very first time. And since the world is made up primarily of people like you and people like me, I think it's good that what we have is God revealing himself to us as the first to see him. If you go to plays that are put on in formal playhouses, you know that the majority of plays are generally three acts. There's a first act, a second act, and a third act. The order in which they move you progressively through the story And I would like you to think of this as a three-act play. Act number one, really, is the backdrop to this pageant found in verses one through seven. And all of the important background information is given to us. Let me read those verses for us just again to re-familiarize ourselves with it. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloth, and laid him in a manger, 
because there was no place for them in the inn. So do you have it fixed in your mind? Can you see the picture? Can you understand the details? Are they in place for you? Are they foundational so that we can rapidly move from Act 1 to Act 2? Act 2 of the pageant is actually found for us in verses 8 through 14. And here we see the shepherds and the angels. The shepherds are out in the field. We'll break the text up. We'll make our way through it. We'll make a few observations for you that might give you some things to think about this week. And in the same region, that is right near Bethlehem, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Shepherds doing what they always did. (laughs) This isn't a story where we go through the Sunday school and we say, which ones would make the best shepherds for the pageant that we're going to do? These are dudes that this is their lifestyle. And some of the things that we need to know about these shepherds are, theirs was not a highly respected occupation. In fact, the majority of people around them looked at them and said, they're just a bunch of stinking shepherds. They weren't sought for their opinions. They weren't sought for the other tasks that they might possibly be able to do. They were not sought to hold positions of leadership in the community. In essence, they were the outcasts. And their task was to care for sheep. Now sheep, I know sometimes sheep can get scattered and can run away and can do things that they ought not to do. But for the most part, all that sheep did was they stood on the hills and ate the grass. Wasn't much to the job. Just kind of watching, protecting, seeing that they had all of the things that they needed. These shepherds were primarily out of sight, out of mind. When a family would go for a Sunday afternoon drive, I know we don't do this anymore, but when a family would go for a Sunday afternoon drive, the father wouldn't say to them, now we're going to look at all of the different things we can see. See, children, see the shepherds over there taking care of the sheep? They were ignored. Shepherds were looked down upon. Now look in the text, if you will, please, that I read for you, because you'll discover in verse number 8 it says that they were taking care of sheep and they were out with the flocks by night. (laughs) What we would say of them if we were talking about them today, this is the third shift shepherds. They were the lowest on the totem pole. They had the lowest priority in terms of getting the time that they would take care of the sheep. You know, the ones that had served the longest, the ones that had the greatest status amongst the shepherds, would get to have the day shift. Hmm. But when it came time to deal with the sheep at night, those who were just kind of the outcasts of the outcasts were out there. Now, I'll I'll suggest to you that their job was actually more difficult than the daytime job because the majority of the predators that would be looking to try to capture the sheep, to destroy the sheep, to eat the sheep, to kill the sheep, were predators that would come out at night. And so here they are on the lonely shift. Here they are having to keep watch. Here they are really desiring to sleep. 
but they drew the night shift. Now here's a little known fact about these sheep. When we think of sheep, we really typically think, well, people keep sheep so that they can shear them and get the wool and make woolen clothing. Now there were sheep that were kept for this way, but not in Bethlehem. Oh, you say, I know the other thing. Uh, all of the big restaurants in, uh, in Jerusalem needed to have lamb chops, and so what they wanted was sheep that were close at hand so that they could get the sheep for the meat. Now, there were sheep that were used for that purpose, but not in Bethlehem. The purpose of the sheep in Bethlehem was that they would be used to provide sacrificial sheep to be used in the Old Testament sacrificial system, which would take place on the Temple Mount. When people needed to make a sin offering, uh, they would bring sheep. Where would they get their sheep? If they did not raise sheep themselves, they would be able to get the sheep that were raised in Bethlehem. One time a year, one of those sheep was used to be the primary sacrificial lamb on the Passover so as to be able to be used to represent that one day God was going to provide a sacrificial lamb that would take away the sins of the world. Now, every one of these shepherds knew several things. One was that the sheep they were taking care of, that what they were tending, were going to go for sacrifice on the Temple Mount. But like most people, they probably weren't thinking of the religious significance. They weren't sitting there saying, well, you know, we're sitting here just waiting for Christmas to happen, and we know that we're the ones that are going to be part of this Christmas story. They were going through the motions. They were going through the motions of their day like most Americans are going through the motions today in getting ready for Christmas. It's an event that's going to come because it is attached to the calendar, but it doesn't make any difference. Can I say to you that this story makes all the difference in the world? Look with me again at the text, and you'll see with me that it says, And an angel, they're they're out there, they're doing what they're doing. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. In the middle of their quiet night, no predators have come out. It's lazy, probably a little bit cool. They've probably gathered up around the fire to try to stay warm. And they're minding their own business. No doubt snoozing. Maybe day, I mean night dreaming. And all of a sudden, with a burst of light, the whole surroundings around them are lit up. They're wide awake. And they look and they see an angel. They are terrified. A couple things that I think you need to know. One of the things that we, and we talked just briefly about it last week, and it will only be briefly this week as well, but... Throughout the Bible, angels appear. Most often when angels appeared, the people who saw the angels were afraid. 
our idea is angels show up and we're all so excited. Oh, this is going to be wonderful. We're finally going to hear the Christmas story. These dudes had no idea what they were going to hear. All they knew is they were having a first-time experience in their life. They had never seen an angel, and there it was. And they were scared to death. And the angel says, don't be afraid. I got a message to give to you. A message to give to us? We don't get messages. We're the last to hear any of this stuff. No, I'm here to speak to you. And I'm here to give you good news, not bad news. I'm going to tell you something that you need to know. And what do you discover? Look again in the text. It says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. (laughs) People don't listen to us. But this is news for all people. He says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, that's Bethlehem, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now we like that phrase because it it gives a twist to the story that allows it to be spiritual so that we will have a decent uh, Christmas pageant at church. But I want to say to you that you need to understand this because it is very important to see. The angel is telling these lowly shepherds, these outcasts, these dudes that are taking care of sheep that are going to be sacrificed up there on the temple mount. And he says to them, there's going to be a savior. There is a savior who's born. Now a savior does something. A savior saves. He saves from something, and they understood this, as is demonstrated by what you see in the remainder of what is said here. For it says, this Savior is Christ the Lord. Throughout their entire lifetime, even though they had grown up as shepherds, even though they were largely rejected by all of the people around them, they had heard the same story, the same story over and over again, that had been told and believed by every Jewish individual. That one day the Messiah was coming. One day the Messiah was going to be born. One day this Messiah who was going to be born was going to be a deliverer, was going to be a savior. And throughout all of the years, everybody had been praying and waiting and asking God for the Messiah to be born. The angel didn't just appear to these shepherds and say, there's a baby in there. Because there's nothing unusual about a baby being born. Oh yes, there's a lot that's unusual about a baby being born. But what I mean by that that statement is, babies are born every day. And no doubt there were many babies that were born on that same night. Somewhere in Israel. But what he says is, the Messiah is born. The one you've been waiting for is born. Born where? In Bethlehem. And he is the Christ. He is the Lord. Now, they could go looking for a baby. Is it at this house? Maybe it's at that inn. No, it's described how they are going to be able to know this baby. 
wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. Now, listen to me. I want you to understand something else that oftentimes uh, we uh, put myths around or traditions around. We have this idea that the only one who was born and laid in a manger was Jesus. That's not true. Many babies born in homes that were not of high status found themselves living in a situation where they would be lying in a manger. The distinction of what this baby is isn't that he was placed in a manger or even that he was born in a barn, but it is that he is the Messiah who was born in a barn and placed in a manger. Now, after this message is declared, we read this. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. The announcement and then the celebration one declaring the message and then a multitude. And what we discover, and this is what Chris was referring to a little earlier. By the way, I only tease people who are my friends. Okay? So, when you see Chris, if he, where is he? If he's not in here, if you see Chris, would you tell him, you're Don's friend because he teased you. But the text says that they joined and they were saying... I, I don't know. Uh, I love music, so I'm going to suppose that they were singing it. Can we do that? Will you allow that? You like that, don't you? Do you want the, the whole choir to get up there next week when they sing all these songs for us and all they do is just say them? You'd sit here and you'd say, that wasn't as good as what it should be. They should have sung that. And by the way, it is God who gives us music, so it's quite possible that they did actually sing this. But I want you to see what they were doing. The first thing is this. They were lifting their voices in praise to God. Why? Because the Messiah had finally come. And secondly, they were talking about something that every one of us who are in this room desires right now because we are living in such a chaotic world. They were talking about peace that comes to human beings as a result of the presence of Jesus Christ through his birth. Would to God that people who live in Pekin would genuinely have Jesus Christ in their life, be followers of Jesus Christ. Would to God that people in other parts of the world would understand the truth of this period of time and would understand why Jesus came and would receive Jesus Christ as Savior. Would to God that every ISIS soldier today would leave his or her terroristic ways and would understand that Jesus is Messiah and come to know him. Would to God that every person who has malice in their heart in the city of Peoria, in the city of Chicago, in my city, the city of Chicago, I mean the city of of Milwaukee, I do know where I'm from. (laughs) Although when I get here every weekend, I say to Janice, we're home. And when we get home on Sunday night, I say to her, we're home. 
I actually wrote in the book here one day when it was going by. It asks for the address. I put Milwaukee. I put Pekin. I put heaven. Because that is true now. But what I'm saying is, would that the people who have malice in their hearts, who take their weapons and maim and kill dozens and hundreds of people each day, each week, each weekend, would understand about this one who came, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, and would become followers of Jesus Christ. So let's go to Act 3 quickly, verses 15 to 20, because I do need to get finished, because there's a little bit more for us to do this morning that is really quite exciting. The shepherds meet Jesus. Do you see what it says in the text, beginning at verse 15? When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. What I want you to note is, first of all, the shepherds took immediate action. In fact, the next verse says, and they went with haste. They got up and moved out. I suspect they left one poor dude behind to take care of the sheep while they were over there. How would you like to have drawn the short straw on that? I mean, the greatest event up to this point in time in all of history is taking place. It's taking place in that town that's right over there. You can still see the lights blinking in the horizon. And an angel has just told you there's something that's just happened over there. That is a big thing. The Messiah is born, and you drew the short straw. Well, off the rest of them go, and they come, and they find Mary, they find Joseph, and they find the baby lying in a manger, exactly as it was described. They knew where they were. This is it. Can you imagine them jabbering to one another? I wonder what it's going to be like. I wonder what he looks like. Will we really recognize? This is pretty incredible stuff. Will anybody believe that we've had the opportunity to go and see Jesus? I wonder how many other people are going to be there. And on and on. And then they come around the corner. And they come to that stable. And they walk into that stable. And I think they became silent. At least for the moment. I suspect that as they came in, they found themselves dropping rapidly to their knees. As they looked into the face of this little baby, as they looked up into the eyes of the mother, as they looked up into the eyes of Joseph, and then looked back to the baby, I'm sure that there was an incredible amount of emotion that must have gone through every one of them, causing them to realize we, and by the way, nobody else is there, just a bunch of animals. We are the first ones to see the Messiah. And then we are told that all of a sudden, things begin to happen. They start to praise God. Uh, they, they couldn't have been Baptists. Oh, I'm not saying that you don't praise God, but we do it so silently. We, we, we think, you know, this is an exciting moment. We're the first to see Jesus. I know what I'd have done. I'd have been, man, I'd, I'd have been 
up and even with my cane, I'd have been up and dancing around, praising God, knowing that finally the whole system that has started from the beginning, that has seemed to move so slowly, has finally come to a moment where it turns a corner, and from here on to the end, things are going at a much more rapid pace. We're not told how long they stayed. No doubt there was one of them there who was very conscientious and realized that they had left somebody back on the hill and figured that poor guy's out there trying to keep the sheep where they're supposed to be. The sheep weren't causing him any trouble. And he said, we'd best go back. But if you look at the text, what I want you to see, it says, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. They came out of that stable, and if they saw somebody, they told them. You wouldn't believe what we just saw. We saw a baby. So what? What's this all about? Well, it's not just any baby. It is the Messiah. The Messiah? What in the world are you talking about? How do we know that a Messiah is born? And by the way, you're just a bunch of lowly shepherds. Why don't you shut up? You ever been told that? I don't mean the shepherd part, but what do you know? I don't believe that stuff. That's just a bunch of fairy tales. You're nobody's anyway. We are told in verse 19 that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Everything that had happened on that evening, realizing that when the shepherds came and told her what had just happened, she is, she is taking those things and thinking about them. And then verse 20 says, And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. They're walking down the streets of Bethlehem. I mean, they're making an awful racket. And somebody inside with the shutters closed is saying, I wonder what's going on out there. Abraham, get up and go out and open the, open the shutters and tell those, tell those wild drunken people out there to keep quiet. Hmm. And probably Abraham did it. And he found out that the shepherds were just telling him whatever they had just seen. Chris, Pastor Chris wrote a statement for this sermon that I'm going to use primarily as my means to conclude today. This is what he wrote. Outcasts and rejected, yet they told everyone they saw what they had just seen. People didn't know whether to believe them or not. Mary pondered it in his heart. But the shepherds went away praising God. Now through this pageant today, you have gotten to experience that first Christmas. A question. How have you been affected by what you have seen and heard today? Will you be like Most of the people in wonder even if it's true. Friends, it's true. Will you be like the shepherds and rejoice while telling others about what you have experienced? 
Will you be like Mary and ponder these things in your heart? Come today from the region of the rejected, the outcast, and realize that Jesus has come to change your life. Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Let's bow for prayer, shall we, as I conclude this sermon. Lord, in this audience, it is highly probable that there is someone who as yet has not come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They need an invitation, like what the angel and angels gave to the shepherds. They need to make haste, like the shepherds did, to come to the place where Jesus is. And this morning, though we cannot go physically to Bethlehem, we can come to the one who was laid in that manger. And we can invite him to be our Savior. Lord, if there are people in this room that you are dealing with by the power of your Holy Spirit, may they come following this service and say, I need Jesus. And then for the rest of us who are already Christ followers, yeah, we're almost in a sugar coma. Some of us are already looking to January 2nd. We know how many days it is until it comes and we can hardly wait. But would you help us to slow down enough to realize that as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, that it's as a result of that birth that ultimately salvation became possible for us, not because he was simply born, but because he lived, because he died, and because he rose again. And may it become real to us, unlike maybe other years. Catch our minds in quiet moments. May we be filled with the reality of your presence and your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you listen, please? Well, as I was listening to that first service, I was was thinking of... um, who Jesus was and how we might make him known in our communities during the season. And I, I spoke a little bit at, um, at Dale Pauly's funeral on Friday. And um, one of the things about Jesus that came to mind that I kind of saw as a testimony of who Dale Pauly was as well was, was how the, the scripture where it said that the children loved to run up to Jesus, Right? And so much so that the disciples are like, this is madness, pull them off of them, you know. And, um, and I remember reading somewhere, um, someone saying, what kind of person do children tend to run toward? Not, not the stoic, melancholy, grumpy people, right? It's people who are full of life and joy. And so it tells me that Jesus, now he did, he did ha- have the, he did understand the weight, the weightiness and the seriousness of the world, obviously. But he at least must have been a kind of person that was just full of life and joy, where little kids would look at him and say, I want to go be with that guy. So at least one way, as I think about watching these little kids here, um, one way that we can demonstrate and declare the goodness of Jesus in our character 
um, at least, also in our word and our proclamation, we can be those kinds of people. Let's First Baptist be. Let First Baptist people be the kind of people that the little children say, those guys are full of life. I want to be with them. So um, as I send you off today, as I send you off to, um, to declare that the Messiah has come, um, let's... Let's think about doing it in that, in that way and with that posture and with that attitude. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for the joy that we should have because of the promise you've given. Come what may in sickness and health and plenty and poverty. You've given us a, pro- a promise that so overshadows all of that that um, we can have that kind of joy. Let us be those kind of proclaimers. Let us be those kinds of neighbors. Let's be those kinds of friends, especially this Christmas season when there's so many mixed messages. So I pray as we go out today, well, actually, as we go to the business meeting <laughs> first, let's be that, that kind of church. We pray this for your purpose and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, First Baptist, go declare the Messiah has come, and let's enjoy our business meeting afterwards. <laughs>